Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Death of Vanilla podcast where we talk about courageously creating, boldly innovating, and doing things that actually make you stand out uh, so you get noticed because you can only sell and make an impact on people who know about you and today's show will help you do that. I have an amazing guest, Susie, who's on this podcast and she is a storyteller. And why is that important? Well, because... Every visual medium, every blog post, everything that you put out into the world has to tell a story. In fact, it does tell a story. It just depends on whether or not you're in control of how that story is told. And so one of the things that we cover in this particular episode is how people arrange their notes and their slides for meetings and keynotes. And she does a great job of unpacking how to do that in a way that is effective with a surprising amount of slides. And she talks about the different techniques going into that and how you can most effectively communicate with people without losing them, with entertaining them, in fact. And yeah, so I think you'll really, really enjoy it. Um, As always, please give us a review. I mean, that helps with the algorithm so much. So if you've enjoyed any episode, if it has brought you any value, it would be amazing for you guys to go give a review as of right now and for the foreseeable future we will not be charging or doing ads on this show outside of what we're promoting internally and so that's kind of a way to just pay it forward Um, if you haven't got a chance please visit us at burkhartcreativeagency.com where you can find more podcasts blogs videos and just all kinds of resources for you as you begin to build your business, whether you're a marketer inside of a company or whether you're a business owner who is uh, building everything from the very beginning. So thank you so much for listening. Without further ado, let's get into this episode of the Death of an All podcast with Susie. I want to cause no problems. I just want to live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. Me and my dons ain't mobsters, but you know when you see imposters. We know how to read them faces, same way you know how to read them comments. If you want to talk, let's talk, but right here, make sure you walk and your talk is constant. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Death to Vanilla podcast. And I am so excited because we have a guest on the show that really is approaching getting noticed instead of getting ignored at a completely different angle, right? So we talk tactically when it comes to like strategy and marketing and all these other things, but Susie is a storyteller. And so that's super exciting for me because when it comes to content marketing, you are storytelling with photos, with videos, with text in the whole nine yards. So without further ado, Susie is an MBA and she helps entrepreneurs get noticed by being a thought leader. And so uh, so she works with people who are ready to stand out and remember to make a bigger impact, uh, even if they're nervous doing it, right? And so she spends a lot of time just on a personal level, uh, bicycling around in Canada. And so I've heard that place is a beautiful. So <laughs> and uh, so she's in beautiful Victoria, British Columbia. And uh, you also read a ton of books on entrepreneurship and uh, scoping out cool innovations. And so that's super exciting, right? Because when we, we talk about uh, Death of Vanilla, you know, that encompasses so much of what we are about, right? And so for you, what does Death of Vanilla mean? Well, what it reminds me of is death by PowerPoint. Okay. Right? And, and so I, I live in the same world as you, which is I want things to progress. I want people to live from their strengths talk from their passions 
And, but people always seem to revert to what seems to be safe. But the safer, I think, choice is becoming riskier and riskier every day. Uh, that's certainly true in the speaking world. And when I say speaking, I don't mean professional speakers. I mean, the rest of us who are speaking to market our businesses, our services, um, because frankly, as far as I'm concerned, the pandemic has basically hosted a whole bunch of new entrepreneurs into the online market space. And so if you are plain vanilla, sort of who cares, right? Nobody's going to rave about you if you're just like everybody else. And I think that's where the bar has just, it's just moved up and up and up. And unless you're rave worthy, you know, how are you gonna get in? Absolutely. And, and just as like a contextual note, for people who are listening to this podcast and they say like, hey, I'm never gonna be on video or hey, this is not my business. I'm just an employee. I'm a you know marketing director, a CMO at a company. This is still a, the podcast for you because when it comes down to it, and I think what you will discover when you talk about like presenting and stuff like that, like you're always selling and convincing and trying to innovate and all of the means of persuasion in which that happens is by story, which you talk about a lot. So that's super exciting, right? Because if you're in a conference room, storytelling. If you're on camera, storytelling. If you're making a post, storytelling. If you're trying to get a job, storytelling. And so if so, don't discount this podcast uh, as, you know, if I'm not on camera and I'm not a business owner, this isn't for me. This is for literally everyone. This is how you're going to get your next date, storytelling, right? And so... But yeah, so you, you brought up presenting and that's something that you and I chatted about a little bit when we first got to know each other. And um, your, your storytelling is hilarious and super fun. And so I love for you to kind of unpack a little bit about what is broken about presenting. And if we, we're talking about presenting, we can be talking about like keynotes, we're talking about boardroom presentations or whatever else. What is broken about how people do that now that you see massive potential in? Yeah, big, yeah, massive potential is definitely right because we've all seen amazing speakers and most of the time what we see are totally dreadful speakers, right? So <laughs> the first thing that I have to say I find really terrible and, and I see this with actual real speakers is people who hide behind their slides. Like they literally put up slides and it's as if, could you imagine you were in, in, in a live conference, somebody put up their slides they're talking and they walk out of the room and they're just a voice over. The problem with that is, is that the whole reason why speaking in person is so amazing is that you connect on a human level, but you can't connect if they can't see your eyes, if they can't see your passion, if they can't see your honesty, then you're just the equivalent of a web page that you found when you Googled something. And I don't believe that our job is to provide information. I really do think Google will do a better job. There are definitely so many techie people <laughs> who put up remarkably intricate, you know, detailed comparisons that are better than anything that you can do. But when you're a person connecting with someone, what you're providing is context, emotions, the reasons why someone should change. And that's what people need more than just information. 
They think they need the information. They want the information. They ask for the information. But what they need is the inspiration and the help to make the change in their life that they really need to make change. So is the storytelling to help them discover the change that they need to make or just give them the next step or both? Um, all of it and more. Um, most presentations are really designed where it's like, here are the solutions, sort of go do it. <laughs> okay. Because we think that's what they want, right? If they're sitting in a room, for example, I just did a presentation on storytelling, you'd assume every person in the room wants to become a better storyteller. And yet, most people will not implement what you're teaching them because there's a hesitation. It, they can't see themselves as that evolved person. And so a lot of your presentation has to be about helping them to discover their own reason why they want to change. And when you tell people what to do, they actually have got this little rebellious streak inside of them that as soon as you tell them what to do, they're like, no, I don't want to do that. Right. So when you tell them a good story where they can see it for themselves, you know, for example, you might say to yourself, you know what, you could travel or I could move or I could try for that dream thing. They make the decision for themselves and that's when they'll put in the effort that is needed to actually create the habits, create the change, you know, get the momentum to make that difference. Cool. I love that. So what I, what I'm hearing you saying is that people are not lacking information. They're lacking maybe vision and motivation or maybe, maybe ownership would be a better word. What do you, what are you thinking? Um, all of it, but what they're, the problem really is, is that the presenter assumes that the person is going to make a logical, rational decision from their brain if only they have enough information to do it. <laughs> and it's, it's just not true. I was thinking just yesterday, I'm redoing my freebie and I was remembering, so I worked as a personal trainer at Steve Nash, big gym here in Victoria. And I, I'm older, I'm 48. So now I was, this was just a couple of years ago. And so I would get a lot of older ladies, right? I would get a woman, she's 50, 60, and she's coming in, she's just joined. So she gets this free session and she's like, you know, how do I lose weight? Now I can tell her, well, an exercise. Is that going to help her? Does she know that already? Probably. What can I tell her <laughs> that would help her? Let's say I give her a list of all the calories of all the foods. Is that going to help her? She's had tons of information. <laughs> it's not going to help her because although she wants to know, let's say, for example, which is the best diet? So Precision Nutrition is a company that researched all the top diets in the world to find out which was the best diet. And answer to, you know, was it South Beach or vegan or whatever it was, all of them. And the answer was, it didn't make a damn difference. <laughs> they're all basically the same thing they all make you aware of what you're putting in your mouth they all basically get you to eat more nutrient-dense food they all get you to you know exercise more the answer was really whichever one you're going to stick to whichever one will match with your lifestyle or whichever one you could see yourself doing for the long term mm, and for me okay. that's the connection to storytelling is 
You need people to see it. And I literally mean see it vividly like a little video playing in their mind. I can see myself. So let's say that that same woman can't imagine herself 30 pounds skinnier. Her chances of losing the weight, as far as I'm concerned, yes, zero. Until she can see herself as someone who can enjoy a cup of tea in the evening instead of a glass of wine or whatever it is, she's going to keep doing the things that she needs to do to have the solace she needs to get through the day, right? Because every day is hard and we all cope the best way that we can. Sure. The thing I guess for the speaking is if you're someone who presents for work and you just need to get it over with because it's part of your job and you need to do it once a year, then it's fine because you can do a D job and nobody, you're not going to get fired. <laughs> but if it's something where you're going to market your business, where if your reputation, you want to be seen as a thought leader, then you need to step up your game and not to plain ordinary, right? It's like, I don't want to see bullets on your slides unless it's a shopping list, right? <laughs> then it's about connecting with your audience. It's about making them laugh, right? Again, the bar has gone up and up and up. You're presenting on a camera, on a monitor. People are used to seeing sports games, movies, TV shows. When they're looking at a screen, they want to be entertained. So you got to be you know, storytelling can take you on an emotional roller coaster, right? It can be funny, it can be sad, it can be this, it can be that. You get to take on characters. You know, most speakers are like, I need to be more energetic or vocal variety. And it's like, you can't when you're just telling tips. Or yesterday, I tried um, using a teleprompter. But as I'm trying to read, I can't be, you know, like my vivacious me because I'm not talking from my head. So right. when people are reading bullets, it's boring. But if you're just recalling, you know, a story that happened to you that you lived, you don't need notes. You can just go into your memory and see it and live it and enjoy that moment and let that, you know, come out of you. I love that, man. You you just you you brought up so many questions I have now. <laughs> so uh, and and so. Okay, so clearly you have a hate for bullet points and <laughs> and well at least for a slide. No, obviously person. I want the bullets put away. <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly for like uh, for notes for the speech, yeah, but uh, not visually, not so everyone else can right. see them. So what are some right. other things that, like from like a like a real tactical presenting uh, viewpoint? What are some things other than bullet points that you find people are doing? Uh, on their presentations that is really killing their ability to connect with people. Okay, so before we do that, let's solve the bullet points problem, right? Okay. So we were talking about this idea of being more entertaining, right? We need things to, to move along. We, if you have a slide that's got seven bullets, right? That's when I did my MBA. It was seven lines with seven words each, 49 words. And how long will that sit on the screen for? And the answer is like five minutes, which means you're killing people, right? You're killing, yeah. them, killing them slowly and they can't take it because we've gotten to be a world where, you know, we've got like stories, right? On Instagram, it's all dopamine hits. So what I'm saying to do is very simple. Take every bullet and every bullet becomes one point on a slide. So now, however many slides you have, times seven at least, right? Every slide should be a photograph or 
a few words, not 49 words, because if they're reading, they're not listening. Nobody can do both at the same time. But right. it's okay to have things like charts. So for example, you're saying, what else? So charts are great, but not when you put up a whole chart and it's got like 49 pieces of information on mm. it. You need to direct people, tell them the story as it goes along of what did you learn? How did you learn it? What was so important? What was striking about it? And so animations and plugging, even if you had seven bullets on a slide, you don't put up seven bullets. You put up one and then you gray it out and then you put up the other one. It's about directing people's focus, right? About being the director of the show so that they're following along with what you're saying and you're not distracting them. You're not overwhelming them, right? We're all overwhelmed right now. And that's the problem. We keep just adding on, even just providing this presentation with this, you know, with the purpose of I'm gonna educate someone with like everything I know you're overwhelming them and they need simplicity, <laughs> not as much information as is humanly possible in like a half an hour. Right, no, I think that's great. And I think the thing that I'm picking up on is whatever you can do to pick up the pace of transitions yeah. is really the key because you're really fighting against people's inability to stay focused. And so, like you said, you, so even if you do have bullet points, they need to boom, 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 adjust, bounce back and forth. Mm -hmm gray out, disappear and reappear or something. Uh, and, yeah. and it sounds like a lot of extra work, uh, obviously, because it's easier to make one mm -hmm. slide than seven. But at the same time, if, if it actually communicates your message and people actually pay attention and it actually makes a difference and it actually changes people's lives, well, then I feel like it's worthwhile. And especially if you're like a keynote speaker, like how often are you really going to be changing your slides? Like, let's be honest, but at least you can bam, 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 bam. And it's like, it's like we were talking um, a couple weeks ago or a week ago, um, where it was like, even with video editing, it's like the, the amount of cuts per video has astronomically go higher. It's like cut, 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 cut. And I know we do that with our videos because it's like at the end of the day, people are now starting getting used to watching like a 30 second video. And even then, if it's boring, they're like, oh my God, when is this 30 seconds going to be up? Right. <laughs> it's just wild how it's changed. Even, so when I do a presentation, I stand all, and all my, even my little tip videos, I'm standing, my hands are moving. If you talk like this on your videos, you're, you're killing people. Right. right. So that movement, movement in the animations, movement of your arms, movement of the slides, movement in your face, all this movement helps people. And we need that because honestly, this presenting virtually has so many drawbacks. It's strenuous on people. I read this book by Nick Morgan. It's called, Can You Hear Me? And he basically talks about how we, when we're live, we do a lot of things very subconsciously, naturally, easily. So for example, we're sitting across from each other at a table and I'm telling you a story and you're watching the little cues here, here, you're listening to the inflection in my voice and you're deciding is that true? Is it, you know, vulnerable? Am I honest? Whatever. Do you like me? All these things are happening below the scenes. But when I'm presenting online and you're having trouble seeing me, especially if I'm a little stupid postage stamp in the corner because people are right. hiding when they're presenting or hiding behind slides or they don't have a good microphone or you're seeing me in this 2D version that's gone through an upload of internet on my side, download of internet on the other side. 
So you're, you're actually getting fatigued. We call the zoom fatigue because we mm. think it's sitting there. I've heard also theories. It's you're, you're worried, like you're straining because someone else is watching back, but a lot of it is just decision fatigue of not being able to do what we naturally do. And okay. I think the, the most important thing that we naturally like to do is become friends, right? We like to have a good time and storytelling is our way that we connect with people on an emotional level. We like them. And when you take that out and just leave the facts, it's so dry. And we're so used to this world now. It's, it's even more painful. It just really is. Well, that makes so, so much sense because if you think of just like a conference table and you're sitting there and let's just say you got a minute or two before the presentation starts or even during the presentation, you're, you're able to like lean over the person next to you and say like, oh, that was funny or that was cool or that was interesting. Like there's still interaction going on. If you did that during a Zoom call, you'd be like, you'd be the douchebag of the group, right? Because it's like everyone can hear you. It's not subtle. Uh, you're not going to be sneaky about it. You know what I mean? But you you lose that kind of like, you know, small talk BSing thing that people do even during a meeting um, yeah. that it really, it does change the dynamic quite a bit. Yeah. And you know, there's another thing that's really changed that I think is a real detriment to society, which is we don't laugh as much anymore. So, mm. you know, when you go to like a second city, I don't know, the little, you know, you know, laugh clubs, whatever, um, comedy clubs, you know, yeah. they're always small and cramped. It's by design because you need that, you know, sardine-like environment so, because laughter is catchy. And when yeah. you're alone in a big room, you, you can't get the audience to really laugh. What you'll get is a, it's almost a chuckle. Right. But when you can actually get people to laugh, they go, ha, 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 ha. So you see what happens? My vital organs are actually showing. And when that happens, people are actually more receptive to your message. Mm. But people aren't laughing as much. They're not as open. You know, they're just used to looking at the screen. We're not connecting emotionally the way we should. And I think that if you do want to stand out, then that boldness or that chutzpah, and we call that in my Jewish world, where you are okay to tell your personal stories, where you're okay to tell your failures, your firsts, your all their flaws. Um, like Brene Brown is a loved, people rave about her, why? Because she talks about what a bad mom she is, thin enough, like you wouldn't expect her to. And I think that's the new form of leadership nowadays. It's not just, this is how it is, because we're not connecting. It's, this is hard. This is what I'm going through. Maybe I can help you. Maybe you can help me. And I think we need to get back to that more connected world. I love it. So you talk about being a, a help and a coach to people who want to be thought leaders and that helps them stand out. And certainly uh, the world we live in is definitely moving more and more towards, you know, personal branding and being able to be uh, and really to have a personal brand, you need to have some sort of ideals or concept or message that you are embodying. And so uh, I'd love to hear kind of just in general on the, like the industry level, uh, what your opinion is on thought leadership, what place it has um, in society. 
Um, and uh, start to unpack that a little bit. Um, I think it's hard, you know, like public speaking is hard because you're alone and it's like a hundred people are looking at you. Thought leadership is the same thing, right? Is you're standing out there alone in the middle of Serengeti and you're worried people are going to judge you and you're right to worry because they are, because we're all judging machines. That's the way we're built. We judge everything all the time. Although usually we don't say stuff out loud, but <laughs> online people do, right? Some people do, right. some people are crazy. Um, and yet you sort of have no choice. You, in order to be a thought leader, you need to be, in my opinion, opinionated. You, you, yeah. you do, you need to stand up and represent something and usually something rather unconventional. And by unconventional, I mean something that goes against conventional wisdom because everything that we do, every innovation, every business is basically solving problems. And if conventional wisdom solved the problem, they wouldn't have the problem anymore. And so True. everybody's take is basically, this is what I think would work. And this is what I think doesn't work. And this is why I don't think it works. And so you have to stand there very vulnerably in front of everybody saying, I don't agree. I just, I don't agree. And that is hard on people to do. But if you have the courage to do so, that's why you become a leader because other people follow people who have the chutzpah to say, I don't agree, but I think this is how the world will become a better place if we do this. So when you're sitting down entrepreneurs, like here's, here's one thing that I, uh, that really grinds my gears, if you will, <laughs> um, is, uh, like, like for example, so I had a podcast the other day. I'll just, we'll talk about two things that grind my gears. Right. So one of the things is like when people, um, improperly use vulnerability to try to build rapport, that does bother me because like, like too much, like they just get like too, they just overshare too much. Um, it's just like, kind of like, Oh, like you probably shouldn't say that online kind of things. Um, so that kind of bothers me when that's used as like a tactic as opposed to just like authenticity. Um, but, but the other thing that really bothers me is when people are controversial for the sake of being controversial, right? Because it is a technique. It is a way of standing out, like you said. And I feel like sometimes people are just finding something to be obnoxious about and because it, it will work. Uh, but I just feel like it feels like a little disingenuous. So how do you walk entrepreneurs and, and business people through discovering that thing that they disagree with? Do you find it to be inherent? Like they've always felt the way they felt about something and they just haven't had the courage to say it out loud? Or is there a discovery process in that? Um, I think most people don't realize even what unconventional things that they believe. Mm. It's just so part of their nature of what they believe that they don't even recognize that it is possibly different from everybody else. And they just, they don't see how to package it and they don't see that that's what people would want to receive mm. as a message. And so from my point of view, I'm just like, oh shit, that's gold. And they're like, what are you talking about? And then I explain to them, that's remarkable. That's different mm. than everybody else. That's what you need to, you know, build upon because that's part of what makes you, you and special. And if you don't know what makes you special, how are they supposed to? So um, one of the things that I've done, almost every person I've ever worked with, I've gotten them to do um, the Gallup Finder, Clifton okay. Finder test. 
just the $20 one. So you get your five. Honestly, that was like the first time that I felt found, understood. It gave me like five words of what makes me so unique. Mm. And so that I could bring that out because honestly, it feels like every day the world is battering you down to try to, you know, just like make it through and you feel less and less special. But the mm. only way to stand out is to actually recognize what your strengths are, what your gold is, and figure out how to package that. And without a doubt, on the genuine side, I don't, I sure. don't know if I, people who are doing it so disingenuously, I think people can see right through that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't worry about that. I, I more just see everybody's sort of coasting along and it, you're not going to come out of your shell and be like amazing until you're so passionately, strongly believing whatever, and you're recognizing that it's different and that you need to help people to see that and that it's your job to persuade them. And I mean, you know, in their head, in their funny bone, in their gut, in their heart, and not just in their head. And that's the problem with the informational way is it leaves out all the rest of the humanness, humanness in us. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're just, we, we can't take away how flawed we are as people and how much we need connection. So do you, I mean, I don't know how long ago you took your test. Do you remember what your words were? If you want to share? Uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I am strategic which means that I can see a lot of different ideas and I can very quickly see right through and go, oh, that's the good one, do that. Um, I don't waver about things like that. Um, I'm a maximizer. So let's say, you know, a lot of companies are just trying to improve by 5% or, mm-hmm. you know, they want the employees to improve their productivity by 5%. That is not how I think. And I'm not also not somebody who wants to help someone go from like an F to to a D. Like I want to see a thousand percent improvement. I want to see people living in their talents and like soaring. So that's to me, you know, what, what riles me up and gets me all excited for the positive, not for the negative. Um, Woo, which stands for winning others over. So I love this thing where, you know, I, I go into like a networking meeting. I know back in those days and uh-huh. I would meet a stranger and I would somehow hear something cool from this person, another cool thing with this person. I would hook them up and they're like, wow, like how, how did you even know? And I'm like, I don't know. Like it's a talent and I love it. And it's like, you know, the world's changed to be a better place. Yeah. Um, number four, learner. So I am a voracious learning machine. Like I could go to university for the rest of my life and <laughs> not run out of classes and books. I, I can't tell you how many books I own. <laughs> it's oh, geez. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Um, and not enough time to read them all. Um, and I have to think about the fifth one because it's not coming to me in my head. But the, but the words, you know, most people don't, See how special they are. They don't get that. Uh, when you're a voracious reader, you think everybody's reading all the time when it's like something like 50% of Americans haven't read one single book since they finished high school. And you're like, it's crazy. I imagine because like I read three this week. And, and that's the thing is you need to step up and stand up for what you believe in 
no matter the consequences, but you also have a responsibility to put it forth in a way that people can take that for themselves and do something with it. And to me, that's where the skill of public speaking comes in. It's because people think you need, it's, uh, it, you know, the naturals, right? Everybody's just a natural, but like I come from the Toastmasters world and I've listened to the stories of so many of these world champions of public speaking. Almost every one of them had a stutter or something where somebody said something um, the gentleman that I studied under, somebody basically told him he sounded like Daffy Duck and he didn't talk Aww. for like three years of his high school years, not a word from like whatever, you know, 12 to like 15, not a single word. And he became the world champion of public speaking because when it comes down to it, it's a presentation skill, not a yeah. presentation talent. And there are a lot of things that you can work on. There are a lot of little things, nuances to it. Like I make these little YouTube videos. I have over a hundred of them. And it's just one little idea that you can take forth and implement. And you don't just rely on it. Oh, well, you know, if only I were more outgoing because lots of speakers are definitely not outgoing. <laughs> yeah, people are terrified of speaking uh, publicly, <laughs> like more so well, than dying. Some, so. some aren't, some, some get some good, you know, innate um, pleasure out of it. And some of us, you know, we see someone speaking once and they're so amazing. And there's just this sort of light bulb that goes off in us that just says, oh, like, I want to be like that. Like, I, there's a, a beautiful angelic power of being able to be in front of a room of all these people and help them to ameliorate their lives. Right. No, I, I, I love that because one thing, like, just to kind of share like a personal journey of, of how I walked through some of that. Um, I, I was, I forget, I think it was on Twitter or something like that. And people were talking about your story and, and how that affects where you are now and how that's a part of your story in your business and so on and so forth. And, uh, and so I was thinking back through my history and uh, for a while I was I, like, I play guitar. And so I was playing guitar um, in the, the church band Right. And so every single week that I played, it was in my mission, like personally, just naturally uh, to try to have like my sound and like how my, my style was, but have it fit just super perfectly in the band that I was in. Right. So, and we rotated players and stuff like that. So it wasn't like it was the same thing every time. And I feel like my journey and both being myself and fitting inside of some already moving parts is how I was able to navigate into um, making content that was obviously my style, but fit within the branding of the companies I was working with because I had already been practicing like my uniqueness and understanding what group I was in at the moment. And so, uh, you know, and it, my mind just like exploded when I got that realization. Cause I was like, that's actually like a pretty interesting, powerful story on how your past has prepared you for your present. And, uh, but that was something I just never realized, never really thought about. And so that was one of those things where like, Oh, like that's unique. Not everyone goes to that process. And yet that's part of who I am and why I am the way I am now. And that's a great story to share. And, and so to your point, I had definitely downplayed and was completely blind to the unique way that I, you know, my history 
in a way that would actually be beneficial to someone else. And so, yeah, so I 100% agree, 100% believe that. And for someone who's as, as introspective as I am, and I did not put those pieces together, I'm sure there are so many people listening who can now take some time to think about their uniqueness by, like you said, taking that test. So thank okay, you for so, sharing. But, it, but it's a combination. You're unique yeah. because of the experiences that you've gone through, the traumas that you had growing up, um, the great moments that you had growing up, but also some of it is, as far as I'm concerned, and that test, I think, is what that's for, is what are your God-given talents? Like, what were you born with? Like, I remember the video from Marcus Buckingham, who's one of the originators of this test, and he's like, you look at this child, he had two children at the time, right? And one of them was just, you know, worried about everything and it's just in his nature and that's how he was and then the other child was the exact opposite now both of those you, you know that child who's worried about everything you might keep telling him stop being so worried about stop being so worried about it but you know what what if you think of it as actually his strength that is so part of his nature that you help make that into what his, it's, it's his superpower. So for example, you know, the man who figured out or the woman who figured out the COVID vaccine with this new RNA, whatever technology where like, I just got my vaccine shot and there was no COVID vaccine in it was probably someone who was a worry for it as a kid. Hmm. And right. so you, you take these things and you accept them and you say to yourself, how can I take this thing? Like, so for example, some people call me a loudmouth. But yeah, if I'm in a company where everybody needs to be quiet, I'm a loudmouth. But if you put me on a stage or if you put me at the head of a company, then isn't it my set, right? Yeah. And so sometimes we diminish our capacity. And sometimes what we need to do is change our situation so that the thing that we're naturally good at, right? Like, you know, a horse is amazing when it's running across a field, but not so fabulous when it's swimming. <laughs> so it's the position, right? And so you if know, you're in the wrong position, it's not personal. Yeah. So I, you know, that I think that's part of the story of, you know, even getting back to the, um, which diet works for you, right? It's the one that you're going to use is you need to find your way of being a speaker, a presenter. So let's say if you're more analytical, then by all means have more charts, but you still need to remember that it's about the audience. And if yeah. most of the people in the audience are like me and I'm not analytical, then you need some stories to go with it for me to have the numbers make sense. No, that's fair. And I think that really goes back to just like the whole sales concept of benefit versus features. And it's mm -hmm. just kind of repackaged differently for a presentation where, like you mentioned before, if the presentation is all data and all facts and stuff, that's essentially like feature selling, where as opposed to benefit selling is, hey, how is this going to change your life? And the same thing with the speaking where it's like, instead of just sharing facts and figures, you're sharing, sharing stories of how someone could change their life or see the change that they could have on their own by the stories that you tell. Yeah, so I agree with that. And I think that that's true, whether it's copy on a website or whether it's speaking or anything else, there's a level of translation that has to happen from where you're at until what the audience needs to receive. 
And that's part of our job as a speaker. And I think one of the biggest takeaways that your audience can get, which is most presenters are very focused on me. What information do I have? Will I look smart? What are they going to think of me? Me, me, me. And that's not the direction it should go. It should really go the other way. Like it doesn't matter if I have this gigantic zit that's here because you don't care. That's not about what you're going to receive. It's all about you and what you're going to take away. And so um, let's say, for example, last week I did this presentation and I've never done this before, but I did a presentation, a virtual presentation on virtual presentations. Oh, and right. So, How ironic. Right? It was a little bit funny. Um, and so I thought about my audience and what they would want. So I had given them, for example, I had chosen, so like I told them, get a blue Yeti mic, right? Like just, it was it, part of it was telling them how to have a simple setup. So they just, you know, don't worry about such things. And I said to myself, I would want to know how much that is and where to buy it. And this was a local group. So I told them you can get it at London Drugs for 220 bucks and so that was thinking about them, what would they need? Because if I were in the audience, would I get distracted wondering, can I buy it in Victoria? How much does it cost? And so I think through what do they need? And so then I said to myself, okay, well, it, I'm going to end up Googling it while listening to the presentation. So I said, I'll give to the, the co-host, the woman who's hosting the whole thing. I'll give her the links so that she can put it in the chat so they can look at it. And then the more that I thought about it, the more I said to myself, actually, you know what, even though that's what they want, it's going to distract them and they're not going to be able to listen. And that's not what they need. So what can I do about it? So then I said to myself, okay, you know what, I'm going to put them together. And what I did was, you know, because it was a lot of great information and people are going to say, can I have the slides? Yeah. I never give away my slides because the slides are not the presentation. <laughs> the presentation. Right. But what I did do is I made a PDF handout with a summary, right? Because let's say you're gonna go do a virtual presentation. I would turn around, open up that PDF and go through the checklist. So that would be useful, but would I really go through a whole slide deck? Probably not. And then what I did is I hyperlinked all the product recommendations so that they could just go and check them out. And I told them before I started, all of this is ready for you in a PDF. So you can just sit, relax and listen. Mm. You know, like the lady who was in charge of it, she thought that was rave worthy because to her, I had been thoughtful about the audience and their needs. And I, so, you know, I went above and beyond and would she tell other people, you know what, you got to see this checklist. Maybe that checklist right. might be more valuable than the entire presentation because it was the above and beyond. And for me, rave worthy is that above and beyond, thinking about what the audience needs more than what they're saying that they want, the pictures that they need in the head, the help to make changes, everything along the way has to be thought about from their perspective. I love that. That's, that's really, I was literally just having a conversation with someone the other day about positioning their business. And um, it just goes back to the, the person who's in the seat listening or your client or potential customer, they're the, they're the hero. <laughs> you're just helping them along their journey. Right. And so if, if you're worried about them being the hero and not you being the hero, then all you need, need to do is basically be valid enough that they should listen to you, but then spend the rest of the time helping them. And, and to be honest, being helpful 
um, gives you that validation anyways, because at the end of the day, if you actually help them, then you are indeed an expert in what you're talking about because you were able to move them from where they are now to where they want to be. And that's exactly why you have an expert to begin with. <laughs> so I think that's incredible. Yeah. And I think, I think that part of um, what's changed in the last few years, which I love, is it used to be sort of a downward way of talking to people where you're the big expert and the people in the room are sort of clueless. But you know, the internet's been around now for a couple of decades. We're all actually really smart. And so I like the attitude more of, well, I just happen to be spending more time studying and learning this, but you're also smart and capable and an expert. And so I'm not just telling you the information like you should take it because I'm the expert here it is so it I like this more friendly way of talking like here's some thoughts that I have you know you make the decision I'm going to trust you to make the best decision for you but here's how I see it and I think that's such a nicer way to talk and let the audience receive the message Absolutely. So you talked about having like a hundred videos on how for people to be at a like present well and stuff like that. So what I would love is, especially since you, you probably know what like your top five are um, based on like views or, or feedback or whatever. So what I would love to hear is probably like your top five things uh, that someone could do to improve the way that they're communicating to others. Okay. Um... The first one is you need to know your big message. If you put on an hour presentation and I ask you right after your talk, okay, tell me in one line, what was your big message? And you're sitting there going, then you missed it. Right. <laughs> you got to go back and start over because that's what happened was you just thought you're going to share tons of information, but that's not what the audience needs. So you need to start from a place of, what's going to help the audience go from point A to point B and however big that place is by how much time you have to help them to get some sort of transformation. Um, so <laughs> know your big message. Yeah. Um, number two, I'd say there's one on um, having a story right when you need it. So when you told me that that story of yours with the band, what I thought about is sometimes you don't even recognize how special things are in the moment but something interesting happens to you, or maybe you're gonna have something interesting happen to you on your trip to Ukraine, and you don't have the message yet. Mm. But what happens is if you start doing a lot of presentations and you need a story, you're gonna be like, I don't know, what can I, and, and if you're stressed and it's you know, a bad day, your brain can't come up with it. So what I sure. say is have a location, just like a memo on your phone, where you keep a list of the interesting things that have happened to you. And next to it, you put some details, and the message if you have it, but this way, when you need it, you can go through and go, oh, that one, that's gonna help me make my point. Um, let's see what else. I love um, that. Well, cause like yeah. you think about it, like you probably only have so unique, like, like level of uniqueness of conversations between people. There's gotta be common threads. 
You know what I mean? Like there's gotta be questions that people ask all the flipping time that you're like, I'm literally just gonna write a blog post and send you a link. Like, you know what I mean? Obviously that's not effective because that kind of blows them off. But you know, sometimes you know, sometimes it can be frustrating when you're answering the same question over and over and over and over again. And so I love that idea of having those notes because as you encounter conversations with people or situations or um, like in, you know, in sales, they call it like a, um, uh, like when you get pushback on something, Objection. Um, what objection? Yeah. When they, when you come across an objection, now all of a sudden you've got a really great story to walk people through all of their objections or to make a point or to answer questions you already have. And I think that's wonderful because like you said, in the moment, you're not necessarily going to remember, but even the fact that you've typed it in is still like another like memory cognition thing where like you've, you've thought about it. You've maybe thought through it. You've typed it, you've read it. And now yeah. you're prepared with all these great stories that are going to really inspire people to talk to you. So anyways, that's just a random side note. So, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Um, it just makes me think, um, I think people don't recognize the value of using stories, basically case studies. And mm. I think this is really helpful to help people to see, oh, she gets my problem. She understood all the different things that were like coming at me. I could see how she implemented the solution and you're walking them through your process and how we work. Because part of what you're really trying to do in this whole thing is prove to them that you're someone fun, capable, and that you can help them solve their problem. And so case studies are a great way of proving that by telling a story of what your client went through that is similar to them, hopefully, if you've niched down enough, then yeah, then that helps, right? Because they see the before and they see the after. And you're helping them to see the parts in the middle where the aha has happened. Um, let's see what else for good stories. The one other one that you just made me think of, that's not my top five, but it makes me laugh. Um, sure. I remember in Toastmasters, when I was so worried, what do you do with your hands, right? That's what you're saying about people asking the same uh. question. Like, do, I do, do I put it here? Do I put it here? Do I want it? And so I made a video <laughs> and people are just like walking by and I'm like, Here's what I want you to do with your hands. Whatever, if you were just talk, if I saw you on the side of the road and we were just kibitzing about what's going on in our life, and I would talk like this, and I'd talk like a do like a do exactly this. They want you to be not put on like this, but be your most lovable, outgoing, friendly self. I think that's the that's the good, authentic, bubbly way that we want to hear people be. No, I think that's good. And like, so I'm, so yes. And the reason I got excited when you said that is because um, I'm, I'm pretty introverted and my expressiveness is almost completely directed to uh, or connected with, sorry, like my level of energy in the moment, right? Okay. And so I know when I kind of reflect on my interactions with people that when I am fully rested, feeling really good, you know, feeling like, boom, things are going well. I'm like, wow, super animated, super having a good time. Like, and then there's other times where like, I'm tired. I'm just kind of like, I'm just there. Like I'm just existing in the moment and, but not much is happening. And so as a person who really appreciates authenticity, it can be a challenge when you feel like you're acting when you're presenting, right? Because like for me, it like, 
like I said, this is just personal. It doesn't mean it's true, but like for me, it feels like acting and I don't like that personally, like for me. And, and I know, you know, presenting on a stage and stuff like that is an act in some level, but for me, it's the way I, what's up? It is, it's a performance. Exactly, which is yeah. fine. And I'm, I literally play piano and guitar. I performed on stages. So I know that there's like a performance factor, but uh, even still the thing I, the, the way I, get it to feel authentic to myself is remembering those times that I had the high energy and remembered, Hey, that's me too. That may not be me right this second. I may not have the energy or the desire or the feeling of fun energy, but like that was me too, but that was just me like hyped up. And so that's how I deal with like me as an introvert feeling authentic and feeling that the presentation I do isn't acting, but really me is just remembering those times when I was hype because that was me too. And so then I can apply that. And even though it's like a little bit acting, it's really just forcing myself to be the best version of me, which is really what you said. Like the most energetic, fun, lovable version of you is, is you, even if it's like forced in the moment. Right. Uh, but, and, but I'm not saying you have to be positive. So actually one of my favorite videos um, is about my favorite author. She recently passed away. Her name is Barbara Sher. And she would call herself an unmotivational speaker. So a lot of us <laughs> think that our job is to motivate the audience with all this positivity. And I think positivity is one of those talents and it's not everybody's, it's certainly not mine. Um, and so she was like, her husband walked out on her with two little kids and she had to work and, you know, she's like a little pissed off and her ranty way is something I can relate to more than the people who are positive. I mm, like right. to me, actually, she's a lot more relatable, not being so peppy and so happy all the time and talking about her life sucking and whatever, you know what I mean? So, and I think that's part of being okay with who you are and even with your bad mood, but yes, some of it needs to be, what does the audience need to receive? And, but some of it needs to be, I'm okay being me because this is who I am. And the people who resonate with what I'm going through and what I believe, they're going to be drawn to me. And I don't want the people who want that other, you know, type of motivational speaker. I think that's great because that to me is the perfect um, part of what you were talking about earlier, which is discovering what's uniquely you. And, and, and so we're talking, you know, on the podcast about, you know, being bold and standing out and doing all those things. And it's a bold move not to be the upbeat, happy, positive person, because inside we're saying to ourselves, like, who wants that? Like, who wants to, who wants to deal with my problems or my way of communicating or whatever else? And, and I know I deal with that because I feel like uh, I'm pretty blunt. And so I can be like a little bit of like the reality check guy. <laughs> that's like, nope, you're not getting away with that. That's BS. Um, and so sometimes that can be a tough to fully embrace because that doesn't feel happy and exciting and all these other things that you want to be, but not everyone wants a cheerleader, right? Which is exactly why you actually love the other lady. Cause she's not a cheerleader. She's not just like, you know, smiles and rainbows all day long. So, but because of that, she's a believer in practical things and her yeah. books are filled with, so you don't have to have motivation. You have a million projects that you've stopped in the middle. 
and she finds the beauty in it. So she still finds a way to make it you feel good about it and see how maybe you are just done with that. And that's why it is like that. Maybe you need other things right now or whatever it is. And so there usually is something about why you're like that, that you can use as a strength and that you can use to connect to your audience and that you can use to make your brand and your message stronger and stronger and stronger, as long as you keep connecting it to being you more and more you. There are enough people out there who can resonate with a million different yous that you don't need to be like somebody else. I think it's about the offering that context, right? Like if you're just like an old grump and there's no context, people are like, you're just grumpy. You know what I mean? Like, but if you are able to tie that in and build context around, like, like you said, like you told that lady's story perfectly. She was like cynical and really practical because of the cards life handed her. And you're able to have context for that. Like, okay, that makes sense that she's working through some stuff that makes sense of why she's practical the way she is because she had to raise two kids on her own and she had to be practical. Like that's the context. And sometimes mm -hmm. I, I think people forget how much context you have to paint so that way that they understand the perspective of where you're coming. And context is all in the storytelling. Exactly, exactly. That's why you're on the podcast. <laughs> so- Storytelling, um, storytelling, storytelling. You know what right? actually I find really funny? I find, I see storytelling in places that I never saw it before. Um, I, I remember writing um, my website and I had this business consultant look at it and he goes, shit, like, you're a really good copywriter. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I am, but I used the story format mm. for the page and it flowed in such a natural way that because people have this way of believing and seeing the world in that sort of format that it just worked. So for example, you know, how many movies have we seen where you know, the hero starts with, he's got something he wants to achieve, but then he has a problem and then he's got to figure out how he's going to change. And then it's like a guru. What? We're used to that. And so yeah. when you see something that follows the order and the way that you like to naturally hear things, it just works. The same thing, um, Tamsin Webster, she's a presentation coach who works at uh to TEDx Cambridge. She's the executive producer, idea strategist. She's coming out with a book on May 17th. You guys should all buy it. It's the best 10 bucks you're ever going to spend. Um, and she basically uses the story format as the underpinning for the structure of a presentation. Okay. And she literally goes, goal, problem, truth, change, action. <laughs> and she fills out the parts. So it's not just, you know, what's everything I know on the subject. It's about helping people to see the story because to her, every idea is a story and everything that you believe is a story of what you believe about the idea. And so she gives you the story <laughs> help along the way. It, and it's just so fascinating. The story is just everywhere. And when we try to sideline it by being vanilla, um, it just ends up boring. And, um, and you just don't get anywhere. And I think we live in a world where shares and raves and um, entertainment are becoming more and more and more valuable. That's awesome. Well, hey, I, I could literally talk to you for so much longer about this, but obviously I want to respect your time and keep it within the hour and make sure people actually listen to the whole thing, which I'm sure they will. But, oh, man, 
So, um, so I really appreciate your time. It has been incredible. Like I said, we could probably talk for hours more because you are just unpacking so many things, but thankfully you have a website, right? And so if you could, well, I mean, like, let's be honest, you know, there, there's, there's literally a hundred videos to watch on how to present better that you made. And so I'm excited because I did not realize that. I guess I need to do better research or something, but I did not realize you had so many resources in that. And that's fantastic because I'm on video a lot. And so me being better at that would not be a bad thing. Um, and so, uh, always yeah. Always, to learn. Always, always. Yep. Um, and so uh, if you could share where people can get a hold of your information, that'd be super awesome. We'll make sure to have it down in the comments or descriptions or wherever it needs to go. But if you could let people know where to find you, that'd be amazing. So it's very simple. My name is Susie Dixie, and it's susiedixie.com. And then if you go to like the bottom of the page, it shows I've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, even I stick my videos up on there, although they look exactly the same as all the other videos. I don't change the format. Um, and YouTube. I personally think that YouTube's I like it because I think you can binge watch, you know, yes. even pick a playlist of something that, you know, let's say I have like one on confidence and mindset and you're like, that's where my problem is. And you just sit there and watch like 30 videos in a row. And they're all, I think I, almost every 90 something percent of my videos are a minute long. So they're these nice. little tidbit things and um, yeah, enjoy that's cool. No, thank you so much for that. That's amazing. And let's be honest, we're like in a little bit of a binge culture. Uh, you know, so I think to be able to binge on that is amazing because sometimes you're just like, man, I need to get to the bottom of this problem today. And if that means watching 30 videos, then you watch 30 videos. So, um, cool. Well, well, that's what I'm going to say. When it comes to public speaking, these little videos are not going to help you to actually put together that amazing presentation that's like you need someone to help you deep dive and like do a good job. If you have something that's really important, then you're going to want to hire a coach. These are just little tips to help you even just to realize how much you can do to, to actually be there for your audience, put on a better presentation. You don't have to sit down to PowerPoint and fill out bulleted slides. No, and I, I, I'm so glad you said that. And and you do, you do coaching on that, right? So um, yeah. I, I highly recommend that. I can't, I mean, they call it a blind spot for a reason. Like if you have a blind spot, you can't see it. So that's when hiring someone else is so important because of the fact that like you literally, if you could see it for yourself, you already would have. And even in my example of discovering like the uniqueness of my past, that was still spurred on by someone else's conversation that I then used to be able to develop it. And it's not even fully developed. Like I still haven't thought completely through how that how that story gets told and what that fits in with and where where do I tell that story and how and so being yeah, able story, to have that outside perspective is a, a huge deal. exactly you need you need some coaching on how to do it well most people's storytelling skills a lot to be desired um but there's it's totally workable um and when you get your stories to be really good it's a little bit like like that comedy act where, you, you know, you work on the timing, you work on exactly the words where, you know, because you want to get laughs, you want to take people up, you want people down. It, you know, people are uncomfortable, especially with dialogue, but dialogues are all the good juicy shit comes out, right? That's what <laughs> makes the story so amazing. And, you know, you got to sometimes part of what the coach is doing is just helping you to take chances because otherwise we narrate the hell out of stories. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Fair enough. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, the Death to Vanilla podcast. Uh, again, this is, is Susie, and uh, thank you so much for your help. You have illuminated a lot of things I need improvement on, and I'm excited about doing because, let's just be honest, getting better at storytelling is going to make literally every conversation you have better. And so that's super exciting. So thank you so much for being on the show. I wanna cause no problems. Mm. I just wanna live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. Yeah. Me and my dons ain't mobsters, yeah. but you know when you see imposters, yeah. we know how to read them faces. Same way you know how to read them comments. Yeah. If you wanna talk, let's talk. But around here, make sure you walk and you talk is constant.